We begin today the Gemara at the bottom of Daf Lametes Amad Beis, the last line. This whole sugi here speaks about freeing an Evet Kanani and various different talachas that applies to this. How you free, when the, he's free, and so on. Omer Abzaira, Omer Abchanina, Omer Avashi, Omer Ebi. Now these names are very unique because you have here Rav Ashi saying something in the name of Rebbe. Rebbe, of course, was a Tana. And Ravashi is usually Ravashi that put together the Gemara, and he was the la- la- latest of the Amirayim. So some say this Ravashi is not the usual Ravashi, it's a different Ravashi. Okay, so what did he say? Evet Shanosa is Bas Chayden. An Evet Kanani. So he's only allowed to marry a Shivcha Kananis. And he went and married a Bas Chayden, meaning he married a Yid. Bifnei Rabbi. And this Chasana, this marriage takes place in front of his master that owned him till this point. He's considered to be free. Why? So Rashi explains because there's a chazak here. If not for the fact that the master freed him, the master would not allow his Eved to go and get married in front of him without saying a word. So it must be that he was freed already from before. On the top of Dafmen. You got it? Dafmen. So Rabbi Yechenen said to the one that said this halacha here, whoever it was, whether he said it to Rabzeda or someone else, you have such a big chiddush of Rebbe in your hands, but however, I learn in a b'raise that says different than the chiddush of Rebbe. What does the b'raise say? A master writes a star kedushin that he, the master himself, is getting married to his maidservant. Rav Meir says that, yep, the marriage will take effect. Now, as a master, he's a Yid, he's not allowed to marry his Shifcha Kananis. So basically, the way the Gemara understands right now what this means is, the fact that he's writing Eshtar Edis and he's marrying a Shifcha Kananis, he must have freed her before. So, so we know that she's free already. And that's basically like what Rabbi said before. But Chachamim say, no, the fact that the master is doing this is no proof that he freed her in advance. And the fact that he's giving her now this stark kedushin is, is, is meaningless. So she's not Mekadoshes. So the question of the Gemara is, why would Rebbe not agree to the opinion of Chachamim, which is the majority? And, and why is he going with the opinion of Rab Meir? So the Gemara answers that we have to explain the, what Rebbe said differently than we thought. It says the Gemara, What Rebbe says here is similar to what Rabbi Barafshila said, and that's coming soon, later in the Gemara here, what Rabbi Barafshila said. What did he say? So the Gemara later brings a similar thing, what happens if an Evet Kanani, which is not obligated in putting on tefillin, but he did put on tefillin in front of his master. So the Gemara later says, well, that's a proof that his master must have freed him. The master is not saying anything. So Rabbi Barafshila explained that that's only if the master himself is putting him on the tefillin. Then it's a proof that he actually freed him. So Hachanami, over here, what did Rebbe mean when Rebbe said that this slave got married to a Yid in front of the master? It's the master himself that is marrying off his slave to a wife. In other words, if this slave would just be getting married in front of the master to a Yiddish wife, that's not enough of a proof that the master must have freed him from before. But if it's the master himself marrying him off, that, that, that's uh, enough of a proof. So at this point, what the Gemara is thinking is that in the case of the Braise, where the master himself is marrying his own Shifcha Kananis, that's, that's not a proof. Why? Because he's doing it for his own Hanna. He wants to marry his Shifcha Kananis. 
but it doesn't prove that he must have freed her from before. But if the master is marrying off his slave to a yid, that does prove that the master must have freed him before. But the Gemara doesn't accept this pshat. Frek the Gemara, umiya kimidi. Is there ever a case where you could say, that for his slave, the master would not do something for him, which is also, the master would not marry him off to a yid, if he's still a slave. But the EU of Surah, and the master himself would marry a shifcha kananis if he did not free her yet. Why would we suspect that the master himself is doing a iser? The fact that the master is marrying a shifcha kananis, isn't that a proof that he must have freed her? And the Mepharshim add to this, it's so easy for the master to marry his shifcha kananis beheter by just freeing the shifcha kananis. So why would he marry her beheter? So, so the fact that he's marrying her should be strong enough of a proof that he must have freed her from before. So therefore, Rav Nachman Yitzchak explains that we misunderstood the pshat on this whole brayse here. This brayse has nothing to do with what Ebi said. The case of this brayse is the Oma law. He told her, and that that is in the star here that he writes to her. He writes to her, that you'll be free and be married to me with this star that I'm giving you. So he's trying to free her right now. Rabbi was talking about a situation where we have to think of, should we assume that he already freed her from before? What are we talking about over here? The star itself. He wrote inside the star itself that now you should be free and I'm going to marry you. The question is, is this a language of a star that could free Evet? This language is adequate enough. It's, it's, it actually frees the slave right now or frees this maidservant right now so he could marry her. But Rabbanan Sabri, Rabbanan say, You have to write a proper Lashen that you're freeing her. Writing in a star to a Shifcha Kananis that now you're going to leave and marry me, but you didn't properly free her. So therefore she won't be free. So it's a completely different Machlaikis, whether this language here is freeing her or not. Now the Gemara brings back that what was mentioned before regarding a slave that put on tefillin in front of his master. A slave, he puts on tefillin in front of his master. So this itself is proof that his master must have freed him before. So Rashi says that it's not the derech of an Evet to put on tefillin. An Evet is potted to put on tefillin because he's only chayv in the mitzvah like a isha. So it seems from Rashi that he's allowed to put on tefillin, just like a isha that's allowed to fulfill any mitzvah that she's potted in, all the mitzvah as mangrama. But nevertheless, it's not the derech for an Evet to put on tefillin. So if he's putting on tefillin and his master is not saying anything, it's proof that he's free. So, so Yatzel Chayrus. So Gemara asks on this, the Braise says, if a master borrows money from a slave, what does that mean? Whatever money the slave owns belongs to the master. So he's borrowing money from him, that proves that he's already free. Or his master appointed the slave to be a caretaker of all of his properties. That's not something that you usually do for an Evet. That's also a proof that he's free. Or the, the slave put on tefillin in front of his master. Or he got an aliyah and he read three psukim from the Torah and the Beis Knesset in front of his master. Nevertheless, all of this is still not enough of a proof that his master must have freed him before. So how does Rabbi Shub and Levi say that if he puts on tefillin in front of his master, it is a proof? So the Gemara says, Amar Abba Barav Shila, Kesherabai Hiniach Leitfillin. Rabbi Shub and Levi was speaking about when the master himself put him on the tefillin. That's a proof that he's free. But if the slave himself put on the tefillin in front of his master, then it's not a proof. Okay, now the Gemara comes back to a different halacha regarding freeing a slave. 
when Abdibi came from Eretz Yisrael. Oh, so he said, Omar Rabbi Yechanan, he said, a halacha that he learned from Rabbi Yechanan in Eretz Yisrael. A person that said, right before he passed away, this maidservant that I own, do not have a work for you like a maidservant after I pass away. So what happens now? We force the inheritors to write for this maidservant a get shikhrer, and like this shall be free. So what's the pshat in, what, in this halacha that he brought in the name of Rabbi Yechenen? So there's really two chidushim here. Chidush number one is this language that the master says before he passes away is enough of a language to be meshachrer. Even though he didn't clearly say that he's meshachrer the eved, he didn't, uh, he didn't say a lashon of hefke either. He just said, al yishtab don't work with her after I pass away. That's enough that now the monetary ownership of this slave is already given up. The master already gave that up. Now, as we learned before many times in the Gemara, the last few blot, there's two aspects of ownership in the Evet Kanani. There's the monetary ownership, the mominus, and then there's the Isser status, the status of this Evet Kanani that's a half Yid, sort of. He's Chayib in some mitzvahs, but he only becomes a full Yid when he's free. So what Rabbi Yechinen is saying here is now is another Chiddush. Even though the monetary ownership was given up already by the master, but nevertheless, the children still will inherit the slave as far as the aspect of the Isser ownership is concerned. They do inherit the slave and the children have to give a get shikhrur to free the Isser status of this Eved that she should become completely mutter to marry into Klal Yisrael. Okay, that's what Ravdimi brought in the name of Rav Yechenen. So now, Ravdimi further said, Omru Lufan of Rabami Veravasi, when Rav Yechenen said this halacha, Rabami and Avasi argued with him and they said, Rabbi, our, our Rebbe, don't you agree that her children will be slaves? So Rashi explains what they were really arguing with Rabbi Yechenen is, you don't have a real lotion of the master freeing the, the Shifcha Kananis. What did he say? He said, Al Yishtabduba. What does so Rashi says? What, what does he mean when he said Al Yishtabduba? Don't make her work too hard. Be easy with her. Okay, so she shouldn't work too hard. But he, didn't, he never freed her. So if she has children, so the children will be regular avadim, they'll have to work like regular avadim. So their question was, where do you have a lotion of shikhrur here that the master ever said? There's no proper lotion of shikhrur. Okay, this is what Rav Dimi reported in the name of Rav Yechenen. But now the Gemara brings another version. He also Rav Shmuel by Yehuda, when Rav Shmuel by Yehuda came from Eretz Yisrael, so he said something else. He said, Om Rav Yechenen, that what Rav Yechenen said was as, was as follows. A master that says before he passes away, this maidservant that I have, she did, she made me comfortable, she made me happy in my lifetime, she served me. So after I pass away, you should do also things that are good and comfortable for her. So what happens now? What do the children have to do? We force the children and they must do something that is good for her, for this maidservant. And Rashi says that even includes freeing her. If she says that for me means that I don't want to work at all, I want to be free, they have to free her. Says the Gemara, my time, what is this why? The master didn't free her yet. But mitzvah, nevertheless, the children have a mitzvah to fulfill what the father, the master, set to do. So therefore, this, we had this before in the Gemara, there's a mitzvah to fulfill a command that the mess says. Okay, so we hear in this version, completely different version of what Rav Yechenen said. We don't see over here anything of the previous, what Rav Dimi reported, completely different. Okay, in connection to this, the Gemara brings a statement that Amemer said. 
And this is eventually going to connect back here to what Rabbi Yechiden said. Now, a person that declares his Eved Hefker, so now this slave is stuck. He's stuck in between and he does, there's nothing, we can't rectify his situation. Why not? Well, why is he stuck in between? My time, Once his master freed him, so he doesn't own his body anymore. The monetary ownership is free, so it's not his. Isuda is, is Hefka, that is, I meant to say, so it's not his anymore. But Isuda Hudeke but the Isser status, which means the fact that he's not yet a full Yid, he didn't get a proper get shichror, so he's not yet a full yid. But the master himself cannot give him a get shichror anymore because he's not his to give him the get shichror. So who's going to give him a get shichror to totally free him to be able to marry a bas chayret? So he's going to be stuck. That's what Amemah said. So on this, Ravashi asked Amemah, what do you mean? We learned already before that all the Amiraim said differently. All is said in the name of Rabbi Yechinen. And also, that in both cases, the Gemara before said in, in different cases, when a master frees his slave by uh, Hefker, whether he was Maktishim or Hefker, in either way, when, once you declare him Hefker, he becomes Hefker, but Vitzarach get Shechror, and the master could give the, the slave a get Shechror. So how could Amemer say that he's stuck and the master can't give him? So Amalei, but Amemer still argued and said, no, I'm still right, because Tzarech ve'en le'takona. Yeah, true, Rabbi Yechen and Rav said that he's going to need a get shikhrer, but nevertheless, he's still stuck, because who's going to give him the get shikhrer? The master doesn't own him anymore, he declared him hefker. Okay, but now, Ikedomi, there's another version to this, and this connects back to what was brought before in the name of Rabbi Yechenen. So Ikedomi, another version is Oma Amemer. What Amema said is, a person declared his Evet Hefke, umes, and now the master passed away. So, this is the case where Amema said that this Evet is stuck and there's nothing we can do for him. My timer, so what's the reason? The body of the slave himself, the monetary ownership of his body is not acquired anymore by anybody because the father, before he passed away, declared him Hefke. But Isure who the Ikigabe, not the problem is the status of Isra, that he's not yet a full yid, that was still held up by the father, the master. But the problem is the father, the master passed away. That aspect of ownership over the Eved, which is just a Kenyan for his status of whether he's a yid or not, that's not something that the children inherit. The children will, will inherit a slave which is fully owned by the father. The monetary ownership goes over to the children. Not here in this case where the father already declared him hefker. It was just the Isser aspect that remained that the children don't yarshin. So who's going to give him a get shikhra? That's what Amemer said. Now in this, So Ravashi says to Amemer, but as we quoted before, when he came from Eretz Yisrael, so he said in the name of Rav Yechenen, so what did the Gemara quote before? That Rav Dimi said in the name of Rav Yechenen, that person before he passes away, he basically says that his Evet should be free, but then what happens after that? The children are for, we force the children to write a Get Shechra. So Rabbi Yechenen, according to Rabbi Dimi at least, clearly said that the children will yarshan an Eved even after he is declared to be Hefker. Because even though there's only a Isser ownership here regarding this slave that's left over, but even that the children inherit and they could give a Get Shechra. So uh, Amemer responded to this, no, I disagree. The Rabbi Dimi 
what Rabdimi said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan is a mistake. Now, what's the mistake here? So the so they said to Ameimar, what was the mistake? My so what was the mistake that Rabdimi said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan? So as I pointed out before, one of the chedushim here that you have and what Rabdimi said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan is the master never used the proper language of shikhar. You never properly free the evidence. Still, Rav Dimi said in the name of Rav Yechen, it's considered to be free. What did the master say? The master just said that Al Yishtab Duba, don't have a work hard. So the Gemara says, so my two, so what, what is the mistake of Rav Yechen? Rav Dimi said in the name of Rav Yechen, the Layam Rebelosh and Shikhra. Because the way he repeated it, there wasn't the proper language of freeing the Evet. But Ha Om Rebelosh and Shikhra, it sounds like though that, that if a proper Losh and Shikhra would be used, so then Hachanami. Then I would say that he becomes free, and we would force the Yarshim to give a get shikhar. So it's still a question on what Amemer said. Amemer said that once the Eved was freed by the father, the momentous aspect was freed, then the children can't give a get shikhar anymore. They don't Yarshim the Isser aspect of this Eved. So Amemer responded to this and said, no, 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 that's not the only reason why I disagree to what Rav Dimi said in the, Rabbi, in the name of Rabbi Yechanan. Amalei Anok, Rav Shmuel by Yehuda, Svirili, I agree, I hold like what Rav Shmuel by Yehuda said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan, not like what Rav Dimi said in Rabbi Yechanan, what Rav Dimi said in the name of Rabbi Yechanan is totally a mistake. Not only because there wasn't a proper Losh and Shikhrer, but also this point here, that the children could give a Get Shikhrer, it's a mistake, the children don't have any inheritance, or there's no, there's no possibility for them to give a Get Shikhrer. Okay, the Gemara brings here now a story of also, again, all uh, the Sogi here about freeing Avodim. Hahu diskrita the Avdi. There was this village of Avodim. They were all Avodim Kananim that were owned by Yid. There is Dabin Loi Now the Yid went and sold this village that he owned of Avodim Kananim. He sold them all to a guy. Uh, we'll see that Rashi brings, there's a Mishnah later on Dab Mem Gimel. A Yid is not allowed to sell his Avodim Kananim to a guy. Okay, we'll see later in the Mishnah, there's a knas actually. The Chacham gave a knas. If a Yid sells his Evet Kanani to a guy, then automatically these Avadim Kananim become free. If the guy that bought these Avadim Kananim gives them up or frees them, they don't have to go back to their original master. They become completely free. Okay, so that's what happened over here. This Yid that owned a lot of Avadim Kananim sold them all to a guy. So really, it's, he's not supposed to do this. They should go free. Now, what happened? Kalu Marvese Basroi. The second master, which is the guy that bought these Avadim Kananim, passed away. Died. Better said. Okay. But then, so also the Kamei de Ravine. They came to Ravine to ask Ravine, so what do we do now? Right? So, like I said, they really should become completely free. Because the first master that sold them to the, Eved, to the guy was not allowed. And there's a Kanas that they become free. So, Amalu, Ravine says... But there's still a problem. You never got a proper get shikhar. There is a knas mid rabbanon that they go free, but they still need a get shikhar. So they said, Zilu ahadra abnei marvisa. So Ravina says, go to the children of the first master that owned you and sold you. And so the, that original master apparently wasn't alive anymore. So go to the children of that first master, marvisa kamoi, the first master, and the And they should write for you a get shikhar to free you. So here again we see not like a Mamer. A Mamer said children don't have the power to write a get shikhra. But here Ravin is saying, no, go back to the children of the first master, and he's gonna write a get shikhra. But Rasurabanan argued with Ravina. They said, but Amaima said in such a case the children can't do anything. Once the master already gave up the ownership of this slave. Now Mason, then he passes away. 
So now the slave, no one can rectify a situation. The children cannot give a get Amaluhu, so Ravina said, You're asking me from Amaymar. I'm not Karabdimi Svirili. I hold like Ravdimi that brought in the name of Rabbi Yechanan that the children could give a get Amrilei, so the Rabbanan argued with Ravina, they said, But Ravdimi Tosahi. Didn't we say before that what Ravdimi said was a mistake? So Amaluhu, so. Ravina said, no, Ravdimi, maybe there's a certain detail that he said that was a mistake, but not this halacha about the children giving a get shikhra. My tuusa, what was the mistake of what Ravdimi said? Because in the way he brought the halacha of Rav and the master never clearly said that he wants to free his maidservant. But if the master would completely free the maidservant, so then so then the halacha would be correct that now the children could give a get shikhra. So he basically, Ravina argued on Amemer, and the Gemara concludes, V'hilchaseh k'ravina. The halacha is, like Ravina, that children could give a get shikhar even after their father freed the, the Eved already. The Gemara brings down another story, Ahu Avda de Beitrei. There was this Eved Kanani that was owned by partners. Kom chad minai v'shachrei l'palgi. So one Eved got up and freed his part, his half of the ownership of this Eved. So now this Eved is in a situation where he's half Eved and half free. So the Allah is, as we'll see later in the Mishnah, we force the second master to free the Evid completely. So he shouldn't be stuck in between, he can't marry anyone and so on. So Amma'idach, the other owner, the other master of this slave says, Hashtashmi birabana, the Rabbana are going to hear what happened here. They're going to force me to lose my rights and they're going to force me to free him. So he wanted to prevent Chachamim from forcing him to do this. So what did he do? Azal akne lebnoi cotton. He went... And he gave the half that he owned as a gift to his child, which is a cotton. So now this slave is not owned by the father anymore. He's owned by the child, which is a cotton. Okay, now the problem is, Bezdin does not force a cotton to free a slave. So Bezdin can force an adult to do something, but to force a cotton to do something, Bezdin won't force. So that's basically, so now, the Bezdin will not force him to free him. So now, so he sent to Rav Papa to ask him, look, look what this guy did. He's preventing us of doing what we're supposed to, to have him free. So what should we do? Rav Papa answered him, don't worry, we can outsmart him. This is uh, from a Pasik, which is basically saying, like he did, we'll do back to him, we'll, we'll outsmart, he tried to outsmart us, we're going to outsmart him. How's that? We know children that they see money, they get excited about money. So therefore, let, we're not going to have to force this child to free the slave. That we can't do. But let's uh, bring money to the child. And then the child himself will be ready to free the seven. So we give a caretaker here for this child that will make sure that whatever money will be promised to this child for the to free this Eved will be given, the child will get this money. And then, and we come and, and uh, bring money. means like you sort of shake money, you bring money in front of the child, that, look, we're offering you money for the slave. And then the child will write a get, and he'll free the Eved without us even having to force him. And so, that's, so therefore, we, we could get the child to force him. It's not so difficult. Okay, Rashi points out a few interesting things. First of all, Rashi points out the Apotropos himself that the Gemara talks about over here is not being appointed for the purpose to free the slave because an Apotropos cannot free a slave. He doesn't have uh, the power to do such a kind of thing because he can't do anything which may bring a loss to an Evet. That's number one. Another point Rashi points out is that we're having here a child write a star to free a slave. How does a child have a Kayach to write a star? There's no Mekechel Memka. A child does not have the Das 
of sale to sell to, to, to free this Evet. So Rashi says that it must be that we're talking about a child that's already at a certain age, like six, seven years old. There, there's a taconomy that Rabbanon, that a child could uh, do things that are in transactions and he could free the Evet. And that's what the Gemara means here. That's why this child could free this Evet. Taisa says a completely different shot in the Gemara. Taisa has a problem with Rashi. We're talking about freeing an Evet, that this Evet should be able to get married into Klal Yisrael. If the child freeing the Evet could only do so mid but Minat Teira, the child has no power to free this Evet, how is this freedom of the Evet in effect Minat Teira that he can marry into Klal Yisrael? So Taisa's bringing from Rabbi Natam a completely different shot in this Gemara. Okay, but that's, uh, you gotta look into Taisa's for that. Okay, let's continue the Braise Memo Midbeis on the top. So the Gemara continues, Tanara Bonon, Ho'aymer, Asisi, Ploini, Avdi, Ben Chayrin. person says that I made, the, I, I made my Eved a Ben Chayrin. Asi Ben Chayrin. Or he uses the expression Asi Ben Chayrin. He is a Ben Chayrin. So Harei Ben Chayrin. These are languages that mean that he's actually free. So it's good, it's good Lashayin is to free him. Oh, but if he's Harei uh, Ben Chayrin. So then he's going to be free. Second. All these Lashayinists, or if, again, if he said, Harehu ben Chayrin, this is one of the Lashayinists. So then, also, Harehu ben Chayrin, he'll be free. But if the Lashayin that he said was, Esenu ben Chayrin, I will make him free. I will free him. He's sort of saying future tense. So then the question is, does that mean that he actually freed him or not? It's, it's the Lashayin Asim. So Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi says, yeah, what he's saying is, I'm going to free him. And right now, that's how he's freeing him. By, by giving him a shtar that this is written in, that I'm going to free him. So yeah, he's free. Chachamim says that he will not be kainet. This is a future tense, but he has to actually write another star where he's actually properly freeing it. said about this b'raise, even though the b'raise said ha'imer, which means that he's saying this, but really it means that he's writing this. The kulon b'shtar. This is all if he writes this in a star. So yeah, there's a long rashi about this because we had before on Gemara that many times that a master could free his evid by declaring him hefker b'dibur. So why is all of a sudden Rabbi Yechelen saying that this has to be tafke in a star? So Rashi says, declaring him hefke is one thing. That could be done by dibur. But if you're not declaring him hefke, you're writing that you're freeing him, that has to be in writing. That can't be bidibur. That's uh, the first the main pshat that Rashi says here in the Gemara. There is another pshat that Rashi says that the kulam b'shtar means that he will be free, but, in, but that's only the monetary ownership. But the Kenyan of the Isra, the status that he should be able to marry into Klal Yisrael, you're going to additionally need a Shtar Shikhrur. But Rashi uh, refutes that Pshat, but so Rashi remains with the first Pshat I said. Similar Allah, Tanar Abana, we learned in Abraisa, Ayman Asati Sadaplainis A person says or writes that I gave this field to this individual. Or he writes, Nusuna Laplaini. It's given to this individual. Harehi Shaloi. Or he writes, this, is, this field not belongs to this person. These are all good languages that means that he actually gave it to him. So it belongs to this person. But if he writes at Nenolaplani, which means future, I will give it to this person. Rav Meir says it's still a good Lashen that yes, he will be kainit. Chacham say it's a Lashen of future tense, but he has to actually do that. He has to make another star to write that he's actually giving it to him. Again, Rabbi Yechina said, All of this is all, we're not talking only about something that a person said, but he wrote this into a star. A master comes and says, I freed my slave. But what happened is, The slave himself, himself comes and says, Never happened. I don't remember, he never freed me. So who do we believe, the master or the slave? 
Chayshinon, what we're concerned about is, Shema zikaloi al It's possible that the master freed him, but he didn't free the Eva directly. Maybe he freed him by someone else accepting a shtar shichror on his behalf. What's the halacha regarding freeing a, a, a evet? It's a schus for the evet to be free. Someone else could receive a shtar shikhar on his behalf. So therefore we believe the master that he freed him, even if the evet doesn't know about it. Could be he did it without the evet knowing. But what's if the master said, Kasafti benasati loy. I wrote and gave you a shtar shikhar into your hands. And the slave argues and says, no, you never wrote me, you never gave me, it's not true. So now you have uh, an argument between them. What happened over here? Says the Gemara, he does, baldin dummy. We believe the slave. the slave. The slave is admitting that he never got freed. He's made it, that he's still owned by his master. So we believe the slave more than the master. Why do we believe the slave more than the master? So Yishayim say various pshatim. The Rashba says, because the master could forget what happened here. The master had in mind, and he had his machshava to free his slave. But from the machshava to action, he may have forgotten that he didn't take action. The slave, though, had no machshava about this in advance. So if he's saying, I never got it from my master, it's probably true that he never got it. Or the Rosh of here says that it's possible that uh, the master sent, wrote a star and sent the shliach to deliver it to the Eved. And the master is under the impression that it was delivered. But now the slave is saying, no, I never got it. So we, might, we believe it. We believe the Eved more than the master. Similar, a person says, I gave this field to this individual as a gift. And the recipient says, no, he never gave it to me. So he's made it, it's not mine. What we're concerned about here is, again, maybe he did give it to him as a gift, but not directly, through someone else. But if he says, if this person says, I gave it to him directly. And the person says, no, he never gave it to me directly. So again, we say that the recipient he's agreeing that he never got it. So it's it's he's made it. So it's not his at all. But the Gemara asks me So in this case, so even though we just said that we believe the recipient that it's not his, but the master, not the master, the, pre, the first owner of the field is is claiming and saying, no, I did give it to you. So me Who's the one that eats the paytas that grow on this property? Rav Chista said Nisan the one that, uh, the giver, the first owner, he continues eating the paytas because like we just said, we trust the recipient that says that I'm not a re- I never got it at all. But Rabbi Omar, but Rabbi says, no, we're not so clear about this. It's still, we're not, not so sure. Mishalshan is a paytas. We have to give the paytas to grow on this property to a third individual to hold on to it until Elio and Novi comes because we don't really know who's the owner of, the, of this property. So the Gemara explains, it's not an argument here, because we already said before that we don't believe the recipient. Again, that we don't believe the giver. We do believe the recipient that he never got it. And therefore, if the father himself, that, that is the recipient, is here, and he's saying, I never got it, then we believe him. So the nisim could eat the fruits. But if the recipient himself is not here, but it's just the son of his. And the son is saying, oh, I heard from my father that he never got it. But then we can't be so sure. Then the son may have misunderstood his father. So over here it's going to be a suffix. And in such a case, the fruits cannot be eaten, not by the recipient and not by the giver, but you have to give it to a third individual.